morning, everyone. Right, well, I'm here to share something with you. And um, it's about a dream I had on the 28th of January. And I'd like to just share with you the interpretation that I believe it is. So here goes. The unusual thing about it was, um, through lockdowns, through all the various lockdowns, I've not been sleeping, it was quite erratic, my sleep. And on this particular night, because I was so desperate to sleep, um, I did say to the Lord, I said, please, Lord, I need to sleep tonight. But only wake me if you need to speak to me. Now, why I said that, I have no idea because I've never said that before. And sure enough, <laughs> when we ask God, he never lets us down. 4 a.m. that morning, I woke up. And I woke up from a dream that caused me to be so stressed and startled that I had to ask more questions and dig deeper. So here's the dream. It seems um, I was in a lovely car, uh, many gadgets, as they are in these new cars nowadays. Uh, it was evident that I was making a long journey and I was making it on my own, which is, again, very unusual because I don't particularly like to do long journeys on my own. I like a bit of company. <laughs> At this particular time in the dream, um, I was feeling quite happy. I was in familiar territory. Uh, I felt very relaxed uh, because I had my reliable sat-nav and I had my charged mobile phone right there by the side of me on the passenger seat. Just in case, of course. Everything was under control. I had a destination and everything in place to get there. <laughs> or so I thought. <laughs> Soon into the dream, I started becoming a little anxious. I was in, now in unfamiliar territory. I kept uh, checking my sat-nav hoping that this journey would end and I would soon see sight of my destination. Well, then my sat-nav sat stopped working. What am I going to do? I tried not to panic. On a motorway, miles from home without my trusty sat-nav to guide me. In normal circumstances, before I set off on any journey, or anything I may be anxious about, I would always pray before I set off. And similarly, if I were anxious, whatever the circumstances. Unfortunately, on these occasions, I didn't do any. I didn't do either. Was there a certain air of complacency on my part? I wonder if I knew better. Reaching for my mobile phone, I was hoping to reinstate my destination. An impractical idea, especially whilst driving. And guess what? There was no signal anyway, so I didn't bother. I desperately wanted to get back on track, just to feel at ease and that I was heading in the right direction. It was now dark and raining excessively. Could this journey get any worse? It's beginning to sound like a book, isn't it? Are you all excited for the end? <laughs> well, 
I did say, could the situation get any worse? Well, yes, it could, because now my fuel lights come on. My tank was now showing nearly empty. How can this be? When I knew um, and I was fully aware that I fueled up before leaving. Of course, now the stress was rising. Fear was setting in. And now it was very late. And because of this nearly empty tank, I'm now looking for a petrol station, which is somewhere I didn't even know where I was. The situation I found was spiraling out of control. Equally, uh, stress levels were doing the same. Finally, I did find a garage. Everything was going to be okay. But it wasn't. The all-night garage, as I thought, was closed. Of course it was. This, of course, to me, was the last straw. I would now found myself in the middle of nowhere. It was dark, the rain was relentless, and everything I relied on to reach my destination had failed me. I felt the fear and anxiety as I considered what to do. And it was at this point I woke up anxious and very stressed. <laughs> I asked the Lord the meaning of the dream. And this is what I got. Through these unprecedented times, it can feel like all our worldly control is being stripped away and unknown territories can bring feelings of anxiety, stress and fearfulness amidst a world that seems to be crumbling before our eyes. Could this somehow be symbolic of this COVID season? Have you found yourself maybe running on empty or forgotten to be filled up before you set out anywhere? In 1 Peter 5.10, God himself will restore you, make you strong, firm and steadfast as we remain close to the Father, praying for his guidance and wisdom as we find ourselves in uncharted territory. Let's turn this around. We have been born for such a time as this. Lord, what can we do for you in this time of uncertainty? You see how we're changing this around? God is eagerly waiting for his people to respond. In John 10, 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. One very well-known passage of scripture that describes God as a refuge is in Psalm 46, which indicates that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I wonder why this psalm highlighted and what is the reasoning behind it? Let's remember that God is greater than any crisis. The psalmist begins with God's provision as he sought God for his help within the difficult times he was actually in. And it, he sort of like says, and he found it. 
He could say this because of his own experiences. He found God to be his place of refuge, where he found an inner strength. In God alone, the psalmist found refuge and strength, but not from a distance, but a very present help. God with him, the help of glory. It is having that confidence and possessing the consciousness of the nearness of God that can bring God's perfect peace to all those who seek it. The psalmist applied the logic of faith. If God is a real refuge, strength and help to his people, then there is no logical reason to fear whatever the crisis. The psalmist's robust, defiant tone suggests that it was composed at a time of crisis, which actually makes his confession of faith doubly impressive. In verse 2 of Psalm 46, it says, Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, the psalm is considered the most frightening, humbling, natural phenomenon imaginable. He then made the reasoned estimation that God was far greater than all these things. And fear in any situation can bring dishonour to God by not trusting him. We need to position ourselves wholeheartedly by putting our complete trust in God as we enter into unfamiliar territory. In verses four and five, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. The psalmist gives an eternal perspective. Our hope in God alone, our future secure. Heaven is our home. What can man do to us? In verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us, Yahweh, Saboth. I hope I've said that right. God is the commander of armies, both the army of his people and the armies of heaven. The title emphasises his glory and might, connecting it with the idea that our glorious God is very much with his people. We are not alone. In verse 8, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. In this verse, there is a change of person and Jehovah himself is introduced as commanding the world to cease its opposition, to own his power and to acknowledge his sovereignty over all the kingdoms of the nations. Now that we're aware of the glory and the greatness of God, we are to stop arguing with him or opposing him when really he simply just wants us to surrender to him. We can learn so much about the character of God through the praise and prayers of the psalmist. In verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still is not in the first place comfort for the harassed, but is in fact a rebuke to a restless and turbulent world. This is not advice to lead a contemplative life. It means lay down your arms 
surrender and acknowledge that God alone is victorious and he will be exalted from every nation and throughout the world. Take heart, because unknown territories can bring unsurmountable opportunities. Hence fear is not invited into this equation. And especially when we know who we are in Christ and what our Father of Heaven's armies is capable of. To conclude, in this dream, I started out on a journey fully prepared for every eventuality. But if anything, it highlighted how quickly things can easily spiral out of control when we choose to do things in our own strength. We should indeed and need to speak to our emotions because we won't be able to hear the Lord if we allow the battle to rage in our own minds. Paul encouraged Timothy to train hard and prepare for the journey. We are all on a journey with God and he rules and reigns with each one of us. If I had prayed and committed my journey to God, my assumption would be that the journey would have been less stressful and more fruitful. I wonder when times are tough, how do we respond? Do we tend to bury our heads in the sand and hope that everything we are anxious and fearful about will all go away? Or do we pray and seek God who restores hope, giving us the strength and courage to carry on, as written in Psalm 46? Nevertheless, I believe God is clearly preparing us for the future. We need to respond to what God is saying and be diligent to what he's doing in these times. A time to earnestly seek God. And when we do this with all our hearts, he will respond and you will not be disappointed. So here endeth the word, I believe the Lord show me. And I hope it spoke to you. God bless. Thank you. Today, I want to talk about three re's. Refilled, re-energised and renewed. In John's Gospel, in chapter 4, we meet the woman at the well. Jesus is on his journey through the desert when he gets tired. So he sits down by this well and he sends his boys on ahead of him to get some drinks and some snacks. A Mars bar and a Fanta lemon. Doesn't say that in the scripture. So verse 6 says, he sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Here we see Jesus' full humanity. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. He got tired like you and me. He got hungry like you and me. And he got thirsty like you and like me. So verse 7 says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please will you give me a drink? The second thing we see here is Jesus's countercultural, radical character. He was radically countercultural because Jews of that time would never be seen interacting with Samaritans. And secondly, women of the day were often looked down upon. They were demeaned and disregarded. But Jesus cuts across 
the culture of the day by interacting and engaging with this Samaritan woman. So this woman is surprised. She says, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? To which Jesus replies, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So at this point, this Samaritan woman's probably confused. She's like, who are you? What is this living water you're on about? Please leave me alone. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Have you ever been to Nando's? Nando's is my favourite. Not only is the chicken amazing, but you get unlimited free refills. If you order a drink from the, uh, from the desk, you can take it over to the drinks machine and you can press the Coca-Cola button and you put your glass down and Coca-Cola fills up your glass. You can take your drink back to your table, you can drink your drink. Once you've finished it, you can go back to the machine and you can fill it up with Fanta. You can press the Fanta button, it fills with Fanta. You take it back to your table and you drink the Fanta. Once you've finished your Fanta, you can take it back to the machine and you can get a Sprite. You press the Sprite button, it fills up with Sprite. You take it back to your table, you drink your Sprite. Once you've finished your Sprite, you can take it back again and you can keep doing this again and again and again and again. Likewise, God wants to give you unlimited free refills. God wants to refill you with his spirit today. And as we drink this living water that Jesus offers us, we become re-energised. So we're refilled with the spirit of God and then we're re-energised in our faith. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, it says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. God gives fresh strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak and he re-energises those who get tired. So we're refilled with the spirit of God. We're re-energised by that spirit. And thirdly, we are renewed in our mind. In Romans 12 verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Eugene Peterson so poetically puts it like this in the message version. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to school, college or work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. There's another re. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God wants the best out of you and he brings the best out of you and he develops a well-formed maturity within you. So we're refilled with the spirit, we're re-energised and we're renewed in our mind. So I want to invite you to re-encounter Jesus today. There's another re. To be refilled with the Holy Spirit, to re-energise your faith and to renew your mind. Maybe you're tired, maybe you're burnt out, maybe you've been neglecting God. Jesus wants to meet you at that well today. I want to suggest a fourth re for you today, and that is to recommit. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So if you want to be refilled, re-energised and renewed today, you can pray right now. Just pray this from your heart. God, I acknowledge that I am not perfect. I'm sorry for my mistakes and my failures and I turn to you for forgiveness. I turn away from my old life and I turn towards you and I ask to be renewed today. Thank you that you gave up your son as a sacrifice to die on the cross for my sins so that I could have eternal life. I give you my life. I put myself, my life and my future in your hands. Would you guide my steps so that I continue to walk in your ways forever? And the Bible says that when just one person prays this prayer, that angels are rejoicing in heaven. So be refilled, re-energised and renewed as you recommit your life to God today.